0: It's Enrico Palazzo. How about that? time for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Episode 29. Very
1: special guest in the house tonight. The one and only Chris. You may know him better as, at Baseball Pods on Twitter. Chris is here to talk about other baseball podcasts why he loves baseball, and, of course, his strategy for fantasy in 2020. Your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Dovier are here to guide you through an episode with one of the brightest minds in the fantasy industry.
0: Take it away!
1: To event of the Plaza it's Podcast me. Studios, yes, right. Studios. Welcome in. I am Michael Govier, your host, along with my co-host Christopher Deary. How's it going, Mister Deary?
2: Things are going very well. We are uh, about six days into Major League Baseball now. Uh, we got a live game going on right now. We got Rockies, A's, and uh, yeah, we're excited to talk real baseball. We've actually made it.
1: It's hard to believe we get to talk actual baseball results and stats. It's exciting, and we're even more excited to have our special guest, Baseball Pods, on Twitter, Chris himself. Welcome in, Chris. Pleasure to have you.
0: Thanks for having me. This is the, uh, the, the most well-named podcast in existence. So.
1: <laughs> wow. That's high praise from a man who knows a lot about baseball pods. I will take that. I'm going to make sure we got that. We are recording, so that's awesome. Cool! Uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. We're excited to talk baseball with you. We know you're a huge baseball fan, not just a baseball podcast fan. You're clearly a guy who knows the game. And uh, we're going to talk about everything we can possibly talk about. But first, of course, as always, this is the Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. You can send us an email. Send us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on a variety of topics. Your fantasy team. Uh, projections for the rest of the season. COVID concerns. We do it all here at the Palazzo Podcast. Uh, first, Chris. How you been, man? Uh, you know, what's, uh, what's the latest with you? I mean, what? You've been a guy that, for those who are on Twitter, know you are the baseball pod expert. But uh, how's your life been? How's things been in this COVID world for you?
0: You know, I work from home. I got three boys. Uh, You know, school was interesting. School will be interesting. But I've got most of my health. I'm not totally broken down yet. So, uh, you know, just being alive and grateful. And uh, it's funny. I was just thinking about, like, my emotions and my relationship with baseball. And, you know, it's like it started off, like, Super excited, super excited. Then so sad, you know, so sad when this happened. And then angry because baseball uh, seemed to want to destroy itself before it could start. And now I'm like, was the, the last few weeks have been like just giddiness, like utter joy. And then with the whole people getting COVID, which was probably, uh, um, you know, unavoidable. Maybe, maybe not, depending on whether or not you believe Bob Nightingale's report. Uh, which is I have yet to see it be been sourced, but in more than one place than a, a radio spot uh, in, in you know, earlier today, but now it's just like you know concern and just hope that people uh, take to get everyone stay safe. And uh, I, I I am a person that thinks there should be a baseball season if the players want to play it, uh, but um, I do understand you know these are really interesting times that we're living in where we're all trying to figure out how to both uh, be a good human being and like be ticked off that you know. Charlie Morton got lit up when he was your second-round pick. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think that's what's so exciting is every emotion you described. I've felt them all. I know me and Chris have been through the gamut because we're just ba- typical baseball fans like everybody else. So I completely understand how you feel in all aspects. So excited that it's back, though. And I know looking ahead to the rest of the season, you probably don't want to do that. I think we should all try to appreciate each day we have here, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm look. I'm just, you know, it's it, the joy that I got in that first, you know, three or four days where you're like looking at box scores, watching the game, you know, just even like watching Johnny Cueto shimmy. I mean, like that was just, it was just like you forget like those things. And, uh, you know, it was just the other day I was watching this random uh, a middle reliever. I don't know him very well. Devin Williams from the Brewers. And he just like, he gets up on the mound and to pump himself off, he takes off his cap and he just yells into it for like 10 seconds. And I was just like, I love this game. Like this is like all the little intricacies of like, you know, the little, whatever they are, whether they're, they're uh, you know, the, the just the different parts of the game that it's unique. Like there's no other game. Like it. you get to see players personalities. I think because of the pace of the game, you get to see more of their personalities and uh, than you do in other sports and it's just one of the reasons I
1: love it. Well said, Chris. Uh, don't forget, you can find Chris on Twitter at Baseball It's a very simple name at Baseball Pods. There's no underscores. There's no hyphens. Nothing. Very simple. Chris, real quickly. Why did you get into this? Why did, uh, is do you feel like this was like a market that you could kind of capitalize on? Because there is not like a man or a woman or anybody who is kind of analyzing baseball podcasts.
0: You know, not really. So it's funny. I mean, I, I was I wrote for uh you know I wrote fantasy baseball analysis back in like the early two thousands and even like the late nineties when I was in grad school. And I wrote for Laura Michaels at Creative Sports and uh, oh. wrote for the the fantasy baseball index, the magazine that Rotoman puts out that's still on the shelves today. It's probably the best magazine out there, if you ask me. Still, and uh, you know, and I loved it. Um and I love fantasy baseball. I've been playing it since I was a kid. But um, I just, uh, you know, life kind of got in the way, your career, wife, things like that. And um, I stopped, I just didn't have the time to put in to write the way that I wanted to with any kind of quality. And um, you know, earlier this spring, I was just listening to some baseball podcasts and I've always listened to, you know, I listened to Patrick Davitt at baseball, baseball HQ for years. I've listened to Matthew Berry, Nate rabbits, um, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Goldstein um, and Jason parks back when they were doing the baseball prospectus up and in, I think it was. And even like Spore and Doug Thorburn, the, People, I've been listening to the podcast for years, but I ha- guess I hadn't been paying attention because I just didn't realize how many great independent podcasts there were. And so I was just like, I love one of the things I love about the baseball, fantasy baseball community is the way that people just prop each other up, help each other, you know, let them in, give, you know, give give free advice. It just seems like a very friendly community and a place that I've always loved and and and, and I love that that part of it. So I was like, what can I do to like participate in that and to like support people that are giving me this great information for free on podcasts and clearly out of the love of their heart. Like they're not going independent fantasy baseball podcasts. I mean, outside of you guys, I'm sure are not a great way to get rich. Um, (laughs) But um, but you're doing it for the love of the game and you're doing it, you know, you might make something on the side eventually, but it's never going to, you know, be your primary income. So this is clearly a labor of love. So, that's when I started the baseball pods account. I was just like, there's so many great people out here and I don't think people know about it. And it just kind of caught fire. Um, all like the, you know, the made men in the fantasy ba- and, and some women in the fantasy baseball uh, mafia, as I call it, you know, they, they started following me and retweeting. And next thing, you know, um, you know, we got, a, I, I was hearing from independent podcasts and they were like, Hey man, thanks for like, listening to my thing. Like you helped me uh, get some new subscribers and some new reviews. And I really appreciate it. And I was like, Oh, so I'm doing something and people are responding to it. And then uh, COVID hit, and I decided, what else could I do? And I was like, you know, let's do a podcast tournament, man. Like, let's do it. And that uh, podcast tournament kind of blew up. I mean, there were over 70,000 votes, most of them human. Um, that oh, were yeah. in, a, in, a, in a, it, was, it was fun. It was controversial. But the best part was it brought people together. Like, I mean, uh, I know it brought you guys together with other people on this podcast. I know it brought um, – like, you know, when I was ju- I was – mentioned when jeff erickson on rotowire which is like you know just the best podcast every day i mean they're a machine they're incredible and such a great guy he brings on the you down with obp podcast which is like two college roommates and they but they like those guys are serious like they're putting in good work like they're not like just half-assing it like they're yeah doing good analysis and they're just two guys who we are friends from college who started decided to start a podcast and like when he brought them on i was like wow like this is actually working so um you know I uh, i also started a website called baseball the baseball pods was taken by some guy you know 30 years ago who like decided that he wanted every sport pods so that didn't work but um i have baseball-pods.com where you know i get the i get the itch to write from time to time and i especially love dynasty content and following prospects so if you go there you'll see some strategy articles you'll see some prospect articles um and uh it's just a good, uh, basically it's an excuse for me to get into tgfbi next year
1: wow dude that is amazing what is you know we kind of came around in the same time then so when you were kind of getting your thing going we started in january and that's interesting i thought that was a similar time frame it's very cool we we lost to the first round the baseball pods i know we were not expecting much and it was just fun to be a part of it and the fact that some of these other podcasts upset like yahoo podcast lost to the upper decker guys that yep. was awesome i
0: was like wow yes. that's so cool well you you, know? you you were the trend center though like you know you you like you you went and did your videos and like your halftime speeches and <laughs> changed your head and then like you know eventually freaking nick pollock and alex bass did too so it's just like, yeah like, there was so much fun that people had with that uh, and now you know i'll probably do it go i don't know if we'll, hopefully we'll be out of uh, uh quarantine by um by but you know next spring and we'll but we'll, we'll still have fun with it. I hope, and uh, everyone was so great about it. It was I appreciated the way you you guys embraced it, and I think you you were definitely like the you know the 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 Cinderella that everyone uh, wanted to root for, and then emulated with their with their shaved heads. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was awesome.
2: I, really I totally forgot that you shaved your head, Mike, during that. And then uh, then some other guys uh, hopped on board doing that. And uh, there's certainly room for a head cheerleader. And it seems like Chris is our head cheerleader here at uh, Baseball Pods. And it was what I loved about it is that you're bringing in the small guy and the big guys. And it was cool to see upsets. And that was a way for us to connect with so many other pods that had just started out. I mean, the Upper Decker podcast guys had just started up. Uh, we have been on their podcast as well. And uh you know, it was so cool to be a part of something so brand new, and it actually helped us out a ton. I'm glad. I mean,
0: that's the idea is just to try to amplify like the work, the good work that people are doing. And you know, in, in, you know, it's. Uh, I'll also say like, I just love like listening to guys on CBS or The Athletic say, "Hey, I didn't realize they were like these many good podcasts," and then they went and listened to a bunch of them, and now you, know, you have new listeners, and they're not just listeners; like they're influential people in the in 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 the in the business and in, in, the, in the community.
2: Well, it's what you said, Chris. There's, it's not like a competition. Everyone's just rooting for each other. And you know, when we had Justin Mason on a couple of weeks ago, he's just like, "Yeah, I support anyone that writes for me to go off and write for as many other people as you can and get get the word out." And that's what I love
1: about this community. Absolutely, well said. Very glad to be aboard with Chris today. Uh, let's talk about. Leading off, let's get into it. Joe Kelly, right off the bat, he was officially suspended about half hour ago or so, and I saw a tweet that you were uh, not a fan of Joe Kelly's antics, Chris. Is that fair to
0: say? I just, I, I, I just think you don't, you don't throw for the head, and I don't buy anybody that's trying to defend him saying he wasn't throwing towards the head. He, he may not be able, he may have control problems, may not be able to put the ball where he wants to, but a head is a pretty big area of, and, uh, and you don't even have to actually, you know hit it. You just have to get somewhere within a, a foot of it and the, and the guy's going to go down. So I thought, Um, I, I mean, I can't stand what the Astros did. I'm a Yankees fan. I still don't know what they did because MLB covered up that report apparently. Um, but um, you know, I just, I thought they, what the Astros did was trash. I'm not a big fan of almost anyone on their team. I love Dusty and I was sad to see him go there because uh, didn't, uh, I, I wanted to root against them hardcore, but I just, you know, you're, you're messing with someone's li- life and livelihood when you're throwing it at their head, hit them, throw at their butt, make them knock them down, throw at their knees or their, uh, their feet. So, you know, you knock them down on the ground, dust them off, whatever, but just stay away from the head. I mean, I just, when I played baseball, that was just rule number one. And then especially cause he knows they're probably not going to go after him. He's the relief pitcher. That's never going to hit. And uh, you know, I did think it was funny and I love the gif. I love the face. he made with the I thought it was fantastic. legendary. That was, I mean, that's, that's just, it was art. That's what I said. Like that, that was fantastic. But <laughs> if you just throw it his butt, I'd be perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I Nobody wants anybody to throw at
0: anyone's head. That's
1: pretty standard, but the whole situation was just kind of silly in the end. I mean, you got COVID going on and you're trying to act out this vengeance in a sense. And Joe Kelly to me is not like a he's not like a lifelong Dodger either. He wasn't even on that team in seventeen.
0: So, but he was he was I think he was on the Red Sox when and I think the Astros knocked him out. I could be wrong, but I think he has a grudge. Plus, he's like he's like you know I, like I, he's a he's a villain. Like I kind of you know like that's kind of his personality, right? He's kind of the I just come in and I'm like you know kind of like a goon and the way we used to have goons in hockey, right? I mean yeah. that's what I look at him.
2: He's definitely been a guy over his career who, like Chris said, is a villain. You know, he's kind of a ham when he's out there on the mound. I've he's had a couple dust ups with other guys. But yeah, I'm on board, you know, with Chris as well. Uh, you know, last night I was like, Okay, you know, it, it happened. Uh, you know, guys finally came out of the dugout and we saw a little little social distancing, uh jabbering at each other. But yeah, I mean you're a professional pitcher you should have at least the control to not go at a guy's head, hit him on his backside, get him there in the ribs. But as soon as you start going at someone's head, that's, that's uncalled for. There's an unwritten rule that, you know, if you're, you know, getting some retaliation, you don't go for the head. And that's, that's kind of where I think you went over the line eight games, which is actually an equivalent to 22 games in a 162 game season. So that's, that's a guy who, you know, is going to get a lot of innings on the bullpen for uh, the Dodgers. So that's definitely going to hurt them.
0: Yeah, he'll appeal and he'll, it'll go down to five and they'll call up Tony Gantler and he'll be better.
1: Ooh. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I think Dodgers have a wealth of arms. No doubt about it. Best gift ever. Best face ever on a baseball field. It's going to be tough to top that, but yeah, you don't throw people's heads. Not even the Astros, everybody. Any retaliation tonight from the Astros or they're just going to like suck it up. Cause
2: they're going to have this in every series. Yeah.
0: I think it's a good question. I'm surprised Bregman handled it the way he did. Um, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't like the guy. The problem with the <laughs> Astros is, like, they're so good, and I didn't want to draft them in one of my fantasy teams because you're just like, I don't want to root for this guy so hard every night. Uh, but, um, yep. yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll be surprised if there isn't even – if there isn't something. Um, eight games is a lot, though. I mean, M- MLB did send a message this time. They decided not to send a big message to the Astros for, like, the whole, you know, gigantic cheating scandal. But That's uh, all they, arbitrary. They did send a message this time.
1: Yep. Arbitrary free for all when it comes to MLB discipline. <laughs> Nick, you know, Nick Marcakis is back. So he decided to opt in again, which you can do. Yeah. Well, you I know that there's a cutoff point. Um, so I knew that opting in, that's why I was thinking about it. When I was doing my fab last Sunday in TGFBI, I was thinking about like, hmm, David Price, is that worth it? I know. I mean, what if he decides to change his mind and come back? Cause he can come back, but does Nick Marcakis, Coming back influence your fantasy views in any way, and more in a broader spectrum. Do you think that this will lead to other people, or is this just a one-off?
0: I think a lot of it's going to depend on what comes out of this Marlins thing. Like, if they really, if if this really was the result of a few people breaking the rules and leaving, and, and I'll be surprised, but I'm, that's what I'm praying for, quite honestly. It'd be mm-hmm. great if it was easy to blame it on that. Um, I've always thought they should be in a bubble. If Major League Soccer can pull off a bubble, Major League Baseball can pull off a bubble. Um, but um, I just think they're doing this for uh, to save money, which is mo- the reason that Rob Manford and the owners do most of the things that they do. But um, I, I Marcus himself um, I think is interesting uh, in terms of like I was – so I don't know if people, more people will follow him. There are not that many impactful players that are really sitting out outside of Price and in, in him. Um, I, it hurts my shares of like endurance, Diarte, who, you know, I grabbed late in a couple of places after he adopted out. I hope he doesn't take time away from Austin Riley's development. Um, but you know, good for Nick Markakis and it certainly helps the Atlanta Braves as a team.
1: Yeah. Austin Riley, you know, he had a mammoth home run a couple of days ago. I'd be concerned if I was anybody, but Ronald Acuna, I mean, Acuna is every day. Otherwise, it, you have no idea which one of these guys are going to get run. And Markekis is a guy that is probably a platoon player at this point anyway, so I don't see him being relevant in fantasy. Unless somebody gets COVID or anything, it can happen at any given moment, right? You just have no idea.
2: Yeah, he didn't have much to give last year, but two years ago, he almost won the batting title for him. yeah.
1: I mean, in a sprint, he could make something happen. I wouldn't argue that point at all. But I think beyond Nick Markakis, we'll see if uh, David Price has been pretty stern about saying, hey, you know, these guys referencing MLB, they don't know what they're doing with the testing, and he didn't feel safe. So I don't know if a guy like him would come back all of a sudden. Uh, Velocity. I wonder, are you a guy who puts a lot of stock in velocity? Now, maybe this is just standard in the industry, but to me, I don't know if radar guns and you know the Hawkeye system now and everything that we have that can give us the analysis from StatCast information Charlie Morton was a prime example on opening day his velocity was down and everybody was talking about it do you put a lot of stock in velocity with starting pitchers or more for relievers or just pitching as a whole or is it just a small part of how you analyze pitching
0: Uh, I mean I think both it's it's both something I definitely put stock in and it's a part oh no it's a small part of how I was pitching it's not to be all end all but it's a great indication. So, I mean, some people, some pitchers really do rely on it. And when they're on the borderline, if they lose a couple of miles an hour here or there, it can make their stuff Heck, even like our oldest Chapman. I mean, when there was a, a, a period there about a year or two ago when his velocity was down from like 102 to like 97, and it made a difference. I mean, you can, you can. He was getting roughed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I the problem is, and I don't know. I haven't listened to Eno recently, and Eno Saris is generally the guy that I listen to the most on velocity. You know, he was telling the pre in preseason. He was talking about how the radar guns are going to be all over the place. There's a new system. They're not. And I remember, like on opening night, uh, like I think Max Scherzer, they had thrown like I don't know, twenty something straight sliders. Or it was just like they're not identifying the pitches correctly either. So I'm taking all that with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, because there's a new system in place. Uh, yeah. But I will say that I. My original uh, opinion on what to do with starting pitching, because it's mostly about starting pitching in short season. For me, with relief pitching, it's more about just don't implode and keep the role if you've got it. But with starters, the, the, my thing was, and, and I've seen a number of, uh, I, I haven't seen anything scientific about this. I don't know. I don't think we have enough of a data set yet. But like a lot of people, um, and not just Dusty Baker said it, but so people like Andrew Baggerly and others that are pretty strong writers and observers of the game. I've said that they're seeing a lot more pitching injuries, not COVID related because of the the quick ramp up. And that's actually what I was worried about. My original, uh, and I posted this the other day, like my original strategy going into the season was just push pitching way the hell down and like just stack your bats and get, approach pitching with volume towards the end because it's going to be such a crazy season and pitchers are more likely to get hurt when they have to ramp up quickly. I changed that a little bit and went out and said, okay, I'm going to get like, I got to get a couple of aces early and then I can, you know, wait up, which is basically what I did in the five or six redraft leagues that I did. And uh, unfortunately, like in one of those leagues, like Charlie Morton and Zach Greinke were my first, my two quote unquote aces. So uh, that, uh, I am not off to a good start in the pitching categories in that league, but uh, I do think it's something you have to monitor. I just don't know how good the data is right now.
1: Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I, I'm not one to dismiss velocity. I think it could be really indicative of, of injury as well, or possible concerns. But I just think with the new system, I think Eno, Eno's exactly on the money. Nobody knows it better than he does. The new system needs to be watched, and we should take things just with a bit of a great assault. Uh, bullpen nightmares. How are you handling closers, Chris? Are you? Constantly just, are you, in a, uh, first of all, do you play in a lot of leagues that are saves plus holds or are you in a lot of standard classic rotos?
0: Well, mostly classic rotos. I think I play in like a points league, a couple points leagues where holds will help you and I play in one save holds league. Mm-hmm. I play
1: in too many leagues. You're talking to the master of too many leagues over there with Mike. <laughs> yeah, Chris Deary is very smart. He he says no. When I said, hey, Deary, let's do this league. He's like, nope. I'm sorry. I got to cut it off at three or four leagues. You're very wise. Now, I, I should have just done a bunch of best balls or something. That way, with there's no transactions. You could do 60 of those. That'd be fine. But I do feel overwhelmed, and I kind of got caught up in the hype of, like, you know, getting involved in the industry and people are giving you invites. And I'm going to learn the hard way on this one, most likely, because when you have fan tracks, Yahoo, uh, NFPC, (laughs) going to all these different websites, it's kind of overwhelming. And let alone try to do podcasts and do Roto Fanatic. You know, I'm just like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. You know? <laughs> my wife always laughs at me because I always
2: tell her the, how great the power of no is. And she's just like, you say no on everything. And I'm like, I sure do. It says, why I only have three fantasy teams. I'm not having a freak out like my my man, Mike, over here, who has what, 25, 30 leagues and eight different podcasts. You're a hardworking man,
1: Mike. <laughs> well, I think I legitimately have uh, six on Fantrix, three on Yahoo and three on NFBC. Yeah, so, and Those are only one of those is a best ball. So that's a problem. And I didn't universally draft the same guys. I love to like, I should have just like stuck with my guys, but then sometimes <laughs> you want to try something different. You get the more drafts you do, the more you're like, yeah, I'd like to take a chance to see on, on this guy. Cause he could do something.
2: Well, drafting is the most fun part of everything, right? <laughs> it's the best day
0: of the year. If you do it right. I, um, I have a, um. I mean, what I did with my ACE strategy was I tried to um, divest. So it was like, I didn't get, you know, I, you know, different guys in different leagues. Cause I figured some of them are going to get hurt, and that way it doesn't kill all of my teams.
1: Mm, that's smart. See, you are so much, You guys are wise. i got to listen to other people, I'll tell you that much. I have a lot to learn still, even though I'll be 40 next month. So much to learn. Uh, but as far as the bullpens, I think that everybody should just be you know, ready to falter, ready for your closer to fail. I think it's very likely there isn't a closer I can think of. I mean, Joe Jimenez has three saves for us, our Tigers here you like that you like that okay chris is uh, raising his fist in the air joe uh
0: joe is uh, uh joe jimenez is, i should have worn a tiger sound i've got an old Tigers hat, by the way oh like yeah the detroit tigers are the first playing. major league team to have a hat with anything on it and they have a, a red tiger i got it at tiger stadium um but nice. but uh, uh i forgot about it. i should have worn that today but no um i'm 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 a i love joe jimenez uh i had him i'm on tons of my teams um with closers in general, uh, I have my, my strategy. You know, I just looked at baseball desk pods. I had a dot um, com. I had like a, 10 tips for the 60 game sprint. And one of them was grab a couple closers, but uh, don't take them at the top. Like just grab in the middle. So the guys that I was targeting were like Hansel Robles and uh, Hector Nerys. Um, And then later on, what I'll always do is I'm looking at like, a, you know, a borderline starting pitcher if there's like a guy that has a job, I'm often just, if it's a closer, I'm actually going to take them. Like I've got a bunch of Jimenez because of that. I've got a Doolittle. I've even got like a McGill because I was just like, if he's got, the, even if he gets me like two saves, I'm the pitcher that I'm picking at that point is probably also not going to be valuable. I'm probably going to be cutting him and bringing in somebody else. So why not get a couple saves in the beginning of the year if, 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 he, if he holds on the job. And then sometimes those guys have these magical seasons because the stat the you know, the sample size is so small that they never get their comeuppance. And they end the year with, like, decent ratios and 30 saves. And you're like, you got them for free.
1: Good call. Yeah, I think that's very wise. It's been a mess. You know, Nick Birdie, Kyle Crick, uh, Keon Kalia Kila hasn't even been with Pittsburgh. It's just been a lot of messes. Craig Kimbrell is, by the way, is Craig, Craig Kimbrell, is he the, someone that you've tried to avoid in all drafts? Because he could have fell oh, yeah. in on that. He slipped a lot of drafts, and he could have fallen in that area you're talking about, where he's not an elite, but he's middle of the road.
0: Yeah, I avoided Kimberly I just he scares the hell out of me. Um, but like a guy that I had, that you know, uh, a decent amount of shares was Ken Giles, and you know, ah, uh,
1: I would have been all for that. That was a good choice. Ken Giles had a really solid year last year, even though he was put on the IL for elbow problems at times, and it's unfortunate that maybe that never really got solved last year because he would leave, he'd come back and then he'd still get good saves with like solid velocity. But I, I don't, it feels like that was a a missed opportunity to just kind of, you know, Hey, let's shut down now and get prepared for next year. But that didn't happen.
2: Yeah. That strategy of taking any closers early is just, you you can't do that. You can't risk it because if a guy goes down and gets hurt, there's not, too many replacements for him. I love that idea of guys that have jobs, especially Joe Jimenez. Yeah, he's got three saves already. The guy could end up with 10, 12 saves. He might get another one tonight with Boyd on the mound, who I expect to bounce back tonight. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you've already seen it with a couple guys going down, and then you have the disasters of a guy like Kimbrell. So if you're spending early, like, it it takes a lot to cut bait with those guys.
1: Yeah.
0: I and agree I yeah, I was I was in a league where uh, with with a bunch of like you know um, it was actually a bunch of you know podcasters people that like do this and uh, you know they're all like super sharp and I'm not I can't remember who did it and I'm not like going to call them out anyway but like Kirby Yates was in the went the fourth round and I and I was on uh, with um, was on the draft champagne podcast with Zach last week or the week before. And we were talking about it, and I was just like, look at the hoop, the hitters in the fourth round. I mean, you were talking, like, elite hitters that you're passing up to get that closer. I get it. Like, you know, I think a lot of it's driven by the NFBC mains and TGFBI, like, the big tournament influence. Like, closers get pushed up in that, and aces get pushed up in that. Like, like those. so you just – sometimes you have to be very careful where you're taking your advice from because in a standalone lead, like – I never want to punt anything, but you can be middle of the pack and saves and be very competitive in that league.
2: I think what makes it difficult, too, is, I mean, there's so many games in so little days. How often is your guy going to get in? We've already seen that a lot with guys that haven't even made an appearance yet. So that's something that you definitely had to consider. Um, and then, yeah, you just have your, your blow ups and that's that's something that you can't avoid. And. You know, somebody like a Kirby Yates in the fourth round, great pick. But, like, how often is he going to get a chance, especially with the way the Padres have been scored runs here through the first five games?
1: Yep. Fultonavic Is Fultonevich done, Chris? Or is Fultonavich going to get a second chance with another team and you believe in him? I think he looks a lot thinner than he did a year ago. I but, wonder if a team like okay. the Astros could jump in. We all know the Astros can uh, – you know, make magic happen with spin rates. We've seen it with Garrett Cole. We saw with Aaron Sanchez even briefly last year. Uh, What's your thoughts on Fulton Avich?
0: I was really shocked. I still don't quite understand exactly why they just DFA'd him. Um, But uh, we'll see. I think, uh, I mean, I liked him. Uh, He helped me out a lot a couple years ago. And I thought he was pretty good towards the end of last year. Um, But um, I think, uh, you know, he's a league average pitcher for, like, in general, I think for the course of the year. So yeah, Houston, Boston wouldn't surprise me. I mean Boston's rotation like a tire fire. Um mm. and uh, you know Miami might need some arms too. So I think uh, <laughs> I think he, I, I think he gets another chance. Uh, but um uh maybe I also think there may be something more there than what we know. That, that that's the only reason I could think that Atlanta would be a fan like that is because there's something else going on that we're not aware of yet.
1: Yeah, it's such a bummer, man. I feel for Fulty. That's too bad. And the funny thing is, in that same game against the Rays the other day, is Tuki Tukey gave up the same amount of earned runs. And it was in like two and a third innings pitched. So I, there must be something more to the story beyond just what happened on the field. That's my only guess, though I can't prove that. So it's uh, simply speculation at this time.
2: You know, we always talk about the mental aspect of the game, and it's like, man, what is Mike Fulton-Evich got kind of to be feeling right now? You know, gearing all the way up to play for the season, and then he has one bad start, DFA, just like that. Good point.
1: It's a very good point. I hope he's uh, I hope he's hanging in there. I mean, he's still got life left in him, and if he can put it back together and give just that, he needs that opportunity from a general manager who believes in him, and there's always somebody who's ready to down and jump on pitching because pitching is not easy to find, finally, before we close out this segment, Chris, I want to know you can't make any predictions more than another human being on this planet, but do you think that this season will be completed?
0: Oof. um if you ask me today uh, today, I'd say today I'm at yes. But uh, I'm a, I would have been a much more negative yesterday. And if this, if like I said, if this, if this, I think if if there is not an outbreak and it, and it turns out like with Miami that the outbreak, if, uh, I should say, if there's not an outbreak that wasn't caused by a specific event, um, and players learn from that, then we could get there. I, I'm, I mean, people, we look at these players, and I think we say. Um, you know, oh, there's these multi-millionaires and they're so rich and great. Look, like they're making all of them are making more money than, than, than most people in this country. But I think the average salary is less than a million in baseball. I, I can't think the average career is more than a few years. And it's like you don't have that much time to make it. So when people are like, oh, shut down the season, this is irresponsible. I was like, well, if people want to earn their paycheck and, you know, and they're willing to sign up for that, who are you to kind of tell? That's my perspective is who are you to kind of tell them not to? And I I get there's, it's a complicated issue and there's multiple sides to it. And I respect people who have different opinions because God knows we don't have clear information on anything that's happening in our country these days with this. (laughs) Uh, But, but, um, but I think, I think we'll, I think we'll get there because there's a lot of money at stake and I think people care about that, uh, whether it's players or owners. And I think that this, the fact that it seems to be contained to a few people here or there, um, I think we'll get there now. I, I say that very hesitantly. And if I I'd probably if you give me like on a scale of a hundred, I'd probably put it at like fifty-five, forty-five today. So I think it can happen if people social distance stop taking their masks off, stop hugging each other and giving high fives. Don't go to clubs. <laughs> and yeah, uh, the high fiving has and...
1: happened all the time. Every game I've yeah, seen, I've seen like, like, oh, exactly.
0: woo. And they're like, and they're like, oh, it's okay because I've got a glove on. And I'm like, yeah, but then you're touching your face, like it's with your glove. Like it doesn't matter that you have a glove on for that moment. So uh, I just, I think, uh, I think, I think, I think I'm, I'm at 55. percent So I'm saying yes. But uh, it would it shock me if we didn't get there? No, wouldn't shock me at all.
2: Chris, do you think Major League Baseball is prepared if there were an outbreak in two or three different clubhouses?
0: No, I don't think they're prepared. I mean, at, at Major League Baseball has not shown us they're prepared for anything. I mean, the uh, the level of incompetence demonstrated by the leadership in that organization, it's unparalleled. I mean, I remember thinking Bud Selig was the worst thing that could have happened to the game, and now I'm like, wow, like we really, owe Bud Selig, you know, uh, a postmortem apology. Uh, so I just, it's, it's, uh, I don't. If the if the answer is, do you think base, Major League Baseball can manage or handle I any mean, pretty much everything after that sentence is going to be no.
1: That is correct, you have answered correctly, Chris. And also,
0: finally, in this second, <laughs> I'm glad to know I got points for that one, Mike. <laughs> yeah,
1: bonus points. Uh, finally, if you had Marlins, would you dump them? I actually outright dropped Caleb Smith the other day because I just think it's a short season, I don't have time to deal with this stuff, and I'm even willing to do a drastic measure like that. Is that crazy?
0: No, a like 100%. Right? I mean, like, I, I. I like VR is on my bench. In deep leagues, I've got like Aguilar and Brian Anderson on my bench. Um, Alcantara probably as well. But I mean, yeah. there have been some fair questions. If this were the Yankees and the Marlins, not if this were happening to the Yankees, not the Marlins, would baseball have, have handled it differently? Maybe it definitely could have. But I just, I think just on the, the macro question, getting away from the Marlins, uh, you know, we're always in ba- like every at the end of like, Right after draft season, a couple weeks into the season, pretty much every fantasy baseball website or podcast dusts off the episode or the article. The don't panic, right? Like, it's like you own a fantasy baseball podcast or magazine. It's almost, I'm pretty sure, a law. You have to do that. Like, the don't panic. Like, it's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. This, you know, it only takes two more hits, and this person's batting 300. So it's just like that that thing gets recycled, like, you know, like, like I don't know what. This year, that is not the case. Like, this year, you know, panic. Yes, panic. Like, that's what I'm telling you. Like, don't panic in the sense of you're acting stupidly, but be proactive and not reactive and, like, act quickly and decisively. That is what you should be doing with all of your players. Uh, I Like, I benched um, – it was not not just about COVID. Uh, I had Carlos Martinez going against the Twins last night. I benched him. I was like, that. in a normal season, I would not have benched him but like oh. that's going to be one of his 10 or 12 starts. And like, he's going to, I think he's going to get roughed up and that's it. Um, and I think it's just like, you know, you have to make your decisions as if every start counts. The other thing I will tell you is like, if it's Monday evening and it's a weekly league and the games are about to start and I'm setting a weekly lineup and I've got a guy who's hurt um, and not, and like and might not play, you know, a full slate of games and he's better than a player who I'm, like feel confident at that point is going to play a full slate of games if they're close or, you know, I'm not talking about like benching, you know, a first round player for a 23rd round player. But if for most of those guys in the middle, I am, I am prioritizing at bats like whoever, wherever I think I can get the most at bats. That's who's going in my lineup. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with a few options, with a few, like I left, li- I left the one person I left in my lineup from that this whole uh, fiasco this week uh, from any of the teams involved, was like rail Mudo. Like I did leave rail Muto in, um in a league but in most in, in most leagues i'd I, like i can't remember who it was but i like cj crone i put him in instead of reese hoskins you know like if there's somebody that is a, that i think is a little bit worse but is more likely to get at bats i'm putting that person in no matter what whether it's covid related or not because that's how i think you're going to win this year just get your at bats in
1: i Disagree with none of that. I think you should be looking daily, making choices daily. So good call, Chris. Everybody, if you got Marlins, you know, you best try to make a move because every game counts. And if you're in Roto, it's even worse. Head to head, you could probably just drop guys and make moves and pick it up elsewhere and not really sweat it too much. I can't think of a Marlin that is truly indispensable. I mean, VR is drafted that way, so that would be the one guy. But you know, yeah, you, I love you, Alcantara.
0: Yeah, if you, if you draft a VR in a Roto league as your primary, and that's why I don't like. I don't try. I try not to build my teams around speedsters. I try to. I like getting little chunks of speed from everybody. But if you draft a VR as your primary, one of your primary sources of speed, you know now you're really in the hole in terms of stolen bases in a roto league.
1: Yeah, I've already seen a lot of "told you so"s on Twitter <laughs> from other people.
0: They're a little Yo. bit these days, I'll tell you. <laughs>
1: All right. So, yeah, that was leading off. That was interesting stuff. If you liked what you heard and you have questions, email the show. Palazzo podcast at protonmails.com. Two L's, two Z's. And, of course, Palazzo podcast on Twitter. Uh, We're also doing our daily baseball quickies uh, where we spend 10 minutes or less. It's guaranteed talking about daily lineups, uh, who's in, who's out, what to look for. Me and Chris jump on most every day and except Wednesdays when we do the full episode. All right, now it's time for the stupidest part of the show. It's time for Inside Palazzo Studio. It's always dumb. It's completely pointless, but hopefully it's somewhat entertaining. Are you ready, Chris? I
0: was born ready.
1: All right, let's do it. Here we go. Uh, Superman or Batman?
0: Uh, Batman. Mm. I feel like I, I feel bad about that because I feel like I, I, I like, things who, like I'm always like rooting for the underdog and like equity and he's like this billionaire but I don't know <laughs> I, just, I like the suit a lot better
2: <laughs> What a great way to look at it
0: that's Funny uh, <laughs> I don't like rooting for billionaires but he's like my guy he's my you know everyone's got one and that's my one
1: <laughs> Alright okay I like it uh, What about TV mounted or on a stand
0: I did not understand your question Say that again would you
1: rather have your TV mounted on the wall or on a TV stand?
0: Uh, ambivalent, but uh, I, mine, mine is um, on a stand because uh, I don't want to poke holes in my wall, so I guess I'm on a stand. <laughs> okay.
2: Putting one on the wall is very difficult. Yeah, like
1: I just, yeah. just did that over the weekend all by myself. A 65-inch TV on a wall. I don't know how I did it, but it, there it is. It's up there. This, uh, is, a, this <laughs> is a
0: long road for that humble brag.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um Toilet paper right side up or upside down?
0: Oh, it's the the sheet faces down. There's no question about that. That's anarchy the other way. There it is. Very
1: obvious. obvious. A chicken. Chicken or steak?
0: Steak. Come
1: on. Mm. I mean, Mm. I love
0: both, and I'll eat them constantly, but I mean, if I'm given the choice, steak.
1: Yeah. Paper or plastic?
0: Paper. I use them to line my recycling bin.
1: Good job. Uh, if you had to choose between the two, uh, barrel rate or hard hit rate,
0: um, I think I'll go hard hit rate because one of the things um, that I learned this offseason through uh, um, the pitcherless podcast, um, I think it was it was on that podcast. And he was definitely on a couple of others that were really good. He actually was on Bubba as well. Was um, and I'm uh, Jonathan with John Metzler. Is who it was. Um, did a study um, that showed that it's not just barrels that are good for hits. Like there's different ways that they categorize uh, contact, and barrels are obviously great, but there's other ways uh, that they measure that that um, that also are good and can give you information. So I'll take heart there.
1: Wow. Okay, that, that was a great answer. Uh, do you
0: prefer over-the-ear headphones or earbuds? Earbuds, but I'm really salty right now because my earbuds are like that I've purchased the the expensive Apple earbuds, you know, and uh, they're like they've less than a year old and they're like uh, they go in and out. They don't work on phone calls all the time. And I'm just I'm very frustrated. So I'm actually if anyone's listening, I'm in the market for recommendations for headphones that you can run with that are wireless that are that will sync with my iPhone.
1: Is that funny? We did not prep these shows. We did not prep this pre-show. These questions were freshly made. I'm glad that we could help you out there. Uh, where are we? Uh, how about launch angle or the sleeper in the bus podcast? Which podcast? Launch angle or sleeper uh, in the yeah, bus?
0: I, I, I can't do that because I, this is like the this is like the selection committee um, would bias the voters, and we can't do I, that. <laughs> so uh, um, I, will, I will never I will never pick. I do I like both podcasts very very much. Um, and I've uh, listened to Sleeper in the Bus for years. I will say Launch Angle is probably one of the, the podcasts that I learned about that inspired me, though. Like, I mean, those guys are, it's such a really interesting group of people, right? They're like, the personalities are like, I mean, they couldn't be more different. And like, I just, I love the way they make fun of Rob for CrossFit. And, you know, and like, Jeff makes fun of himself for a whole bunch of stuff. And Sid Van kind of does too. And I don't know, it's just, I, I, that is a great podcast. So, um, uh, but I, I can't also, you know, hate on Spore and Justin and, and Colette when he's on there. So I, w- I won't pick because I don't want to bias the voters for in next year's uh, selection because then they'd say that that's one of the reasons that, that, you know, I influenced the outcome. Can't do that.
1: Diplomatic response. Fair enough. By the way, Launch Angle, officially part of RotaFanatic.com. We're glad to have those guys aboard. Very, very excited about that. Um uh, where are we? Moving forward, the next one is Matt Olson or Pete Alonso. For fantasy?
0: Yeah, or just in general, I mean, however. I mean Alonzo is so fun. I mean the polar yeah. bear. I just mean, as a I fan. A, yeah. As a fan, I'm an Alonzo guy over Olsen, although I like Olson too. I I avoided both of them in fantasy drafts this year. I have no interest mm-hmm. in them whatsoever because I'd rather draft you know your first baseman in Detroit, you know, twenty rounds later. Uh, and get similar production, and get somebody that can run, uh, in or a more complete player with a higher uh, um, batting average. Uh, in, the, in where they when those where those guys were going in drafts this year.
1: Wow, yeah, CJ Crone has looked really good uh, early in the season. What about the twenties or the thirties? What was better? What do you prefer if you go back, twenties or your thirties?
0: Mm. That's a really good question that I've never actually thought about at all. <laughs> huh. I guess I got married in my 20s, so I should say that. And my first son was born. Yeah, I'll go with 20s, because then it was also when I became a father. Even though I had two other boys that were born in my 30s, you know, I still got to go. I guess I'll go 20s. Married, first kid, all that.
2: I feel like I have this conversation almost every weekend with somebody who's like either about to hit their 40s or about to hit their 30s, and they're terrified to hit their 30s. And Mike and I are at the twilight of our 30s, and I will stand firm saying that my 30s have been far better than my 20s, mainly because we made a lot of mistakes in our 20s. Yeah, it
0: seemed like been, you had a lot of
2: things put together in your 20s, Chris.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I did. I was the uh, oldest, I'm the oldest of seven kids, and I uh, had to. Didn't grow up with a lot, so had to, like, learn to cook and clean and take care of my brothers and sisters. So, uh, by the time I was in my 20s, I guess I was more mature. Um, I I definitely had more money in my 30s than I did in my 20s, I'll say that. So, that was good. (laughs) I'm in my 40s now, and, uh, yeah, I'll take the 20s or the 30s over the 40s. Fantasy baseball has been a lot more fun
2: in my 30s, that's for sure. In my 20s, it was a total disaster, especially early on when we didn't even have websites yet to do this shit.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. we did, we had to do the uh, USA Today manual. Nope. Like, was it Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday? ALNL. Like they, they would only publish half the stats, so they had to buy both papers. Just, uh, the, the number <laughs> of errors of that were decided by uh, like errors <laughs> on the back of the applicants and adding. You know, is is probably in the thousands.
1: Yeah, it's comical. Wow, <laughs> uh, Hideki Matsui or Mark Teixeira.
0: Uh, I've got to go with, uh, with, with Matsui Godzilla. My wife's half Japanese and uh, um, uh, he uh, he was just uh, such a character. And uh, you know you should definitely do some reading on, on Matsui. He has like some of the more interesting collections uh, uh, that professional baseball players have and he's very proud about it. Uh, he has a, a very extensive pornographic collection and uh, talks about it very openly as if he were collecting baseball cards. So just the fact that he like talked about it that way and made like, people look at him uncomfortably also gives him a little bit of the edge.
2: Oh, my God. i got to ask Christina if she knows that. So the reason I have this Yankee flag back here is because my wife is a Yankee fan. Uh, i got to find out if she knows about that Metsui collection.
1: Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. That was fascinating. The answer really would have been anybody over Mark Teixeira. But, yes, it would have been Hideki. Before. <laughs> um, fiction or nonfiction, Chris?
0: That's a great question. I read a ton. Um, I I guess I prefer fiction, although I do love like nonfiction, and I love baseball books. I love history books, but um, I love fiction. It takes me away. Like when I want to read, when I when I go to the beach, uh, or just you know get some time, I like love losing myself in a in a a fiction book. Not a lot of great baseball fiction uh, out there, to be honest. Wish there was a little bit more, but uh, I'll take fiction.
1: I didn't even know there was any well I mean The Natural was actually a book was it is that true
0: yeah I didn't like the book that much everyone thinks oh listen. I love the movie love it one of my favorite movies of all time I'm not a huge fan of the book there's some good fiction books out there but they just seem to pale in comparison to like the storytelling that comes naturally as part of the game like when like you look at uh, Roger Angel's old stuff I mean just oh! he's phenomenal I mean Roger he's, Angel. he's one of the one of many but like baseball lends itself to storytelling and sometimes it seems like the truth is stranger than fiction. So if it's baseball, I'm definitely nonfiction. Otherwise I'll head towards fiction.
1: Hmm. All right. Uh, stocks or crypto? Uh,
0: I guess stocks, although I just wish I had more of all of them. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, you prefer double A or triple A? You're and talking batteries content? or baseball? Any, <laughs> <laughs> any context you want. Double A minors or Triple A minors. As a fan, as a, a level to the next step, as becoming a major leaguer, uh, it's your choice.
0: So I will say I, I, I used. To, so I grew. I spent a lot of t- my time in Rochester, New York, going to Red Wings games. Like when I was a kid, we used to go like get autographs afterwards. So I've met like and got autographs from. I don't know, everyone from like Deion Sanders to Kurt Schilling to all these different people that, that play AAA um, and, and the International League and the American Association. But I think now I'd rather go to AA just because I think there's more um, more prospects, more interesting players. Uh, I went to a PASA Ox game and lucked into seeing Acuna play and sat right next to his family. So that was pretty cool. And he was with Gwinnett for a minute. Nice. Um, and, uh, but like, I I love, I, I think AA is where you're going to see a little bit more of the, the stars that are still trying to refine their skills. So I'll take double A now.
1: Hell yeah. I like it. Uh, do you prefer comedies or documentaries?
0: Comedies for sure. Although I love both. Um, I mean, once again, Ken Burns baseball documentary is great. So is major league. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely, I'll, I'll watch more comedies, but uh, I do. I love a good, so I love documentaries. Cause when I watch them half the time, they surprise the hell. Out. I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And then you have to tell everybody about it. I mean, I mean, you know, uh uh it was the Tiger King as a documentary, so that was, Yeah. That was good. That was good. Nice. I helped us get through the kind of you know, there, that was an era of quarantine that you know we won't forget soon. Oh yeah.
1: You're so right about that. Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, sorry if you've not seen Tiger King by now. Um Uh okay. Imagine you're home alone, you're free. Do whatever you want. Would you rather lay out on a couch or have a nice lazy boy to get a settle into?
0: I have a lazy boy. My grandfather, we don't call it, we call it a chair. My grandfather, my grandfather's had a chair. My dad had a chair. I have a chair.
1: Yeah. I just use a a recliner chair.
0: And don't sit in my my chair. I mean, (laughs) there's a great episode. This stems from uh, a... I also am a huge fan of All in the Family, uh, the old, really old uh, sitcom. Uh, but if you ever watch uh, Archie Bunker talk about his chair, it's with, i, I could not uh, stop laughing whenever I watch that.
1: <laughs> That's awesome! I'd love to hear that. Man, I haven't thought about All in the Family in a long time. All right, a couple more here: uh, E. T. or Jaws? Jaws.
0: I just watched it. E. T. makes oh. me sad. I mean, E.T.'s like—first of all, all right. So first of all, Narragansett beer, great beer. One of the best drinking beers out there from Rhode Island. He sings it. He's in the movie. You drinking that? You drinking that beer? If you want to, if you watch the movie, if you go out to the store and they carry it. You can get the vintage can from 1974, whenever it was when Jaws came out, and it's the same one as in the movie. Um, I love. Uh, I just love Jaws. It scares the hell out of me, and I don't normally like bloody or gory. I hate horror movies, but I love Jaws. Et is great though. I mean, I've seen it again. I watched it with my kids, but it's it's sad. And especially during COVID, you don't want to be thinking about like people, you know, being in this big plastic tent. So, uh, although I'm going to tell you, I'm a big fan of the state of Maine. And one of the reasons I'm a big fan of the state of Maine is because there was only there's had only been one recorded shark attack in the history of the state because the water's too damn cold for most of those sharks. But unfortunately, a woman lost her life recently up there uh, from a great white uh, in pretty deep water. It seems like, but. I do, uh, I, I don't know, there's something about Jaws. It's a great story, great acting. Uh, still scares me every time I watch it. And uh, and I love the scene on the boat, the camaraderie among the guys when they're singing, show me the way to go home.
1: Can't argue with that at all. Uh, I guess maybe this is the next The ex- next answer is obvious. Uh, would you prefer, prefer a delicious whiskey or a fine craft beer?
0: I don't think it's obvious. I'd rather go with scotch. Um, oh, I'd go with Scotch for sure. Uh, you can give me if I could. If I could get a, a I mean, I have both in my house as we speak. Plenty of other? So. Uh, but uh, I like craft beer. I do. Um, I'm more of a, uh, but I'll. I probably take a whiskey every time. I also love cocktails. So uh, I'm. I'm Irish. We don't. We don't discriminate when it comes to alcohol. We. Uh, we'll try yeah, it all.
1: I do. <laughs> uh, dogs or cats? Dogs.
0: Yes, dogs. Good job. Uh, so, yeah, slightly allergic to cats, so I feel bad for throwing that out so quickly. I'm sure if you were oh. allergic to cats, I'd like them a little bit more. But dogs are just like, they're, they're nice. They're nicer. Like, cats are meaty. I feel like, I don't understand. I feel like there's a lot of self-loathing in the cat community. <laughs> yeah, so we're
2: actually watching someone's dog right now, and it's been great because we just put our dog down about a month ago, and it's oh. awesome having this companion here. But, like, do you think we would ever, like borrow someone's cat for a week to get some companionship i don't think that's happening you only get that with dogs
1: mm-hmm. that's true
0: yeah sorry to hear that
1: Ooh, hey. oh hey that dog lived the longest <laughs> life ever don't worry <laughs> yeah it wasn't a shocker yeah not at all uh john adams or john quincy adams
0: uh i guess i'll go i don't i don't. probably don't like either but if you you know force me to choose one it's probably john quincy adams I know more about John Adams, and therefore, I dislike John Adams more.
1: Uh, Jane Fonda or Peter Fonda?
0: <laughs> These are really good questions. Um, I guess uh, Peter, easy rider. That does it for me. That's enough. Wow. I don't really think about the Fonda family that much in my life.
1: Uh, Jane Fonda. I think about her a lot. She's a what about friend? Bridget Fonda? <laughs> Oh yeah, Bridget Fonda, you're right. Yeah, I should have included her. What, what, what female, happened there? Right? Single white
0: female. Yeah. White female? That's, That's right, single
1: white female. Her and Jennifer Jason Lee, 1992.
0: I I'll, take, I'll, take, uh, I'll go I'll take Bridget then.
1: Oh, okay. Uh right, uh, I don't know why I, I guess I just I just went on this kick about last name similarities. Uh Tino or Edgar Martinez. Tino, I mean, thank
0: you. So. Tino was, great. Yeah. Well, Edgar Martina, was back good. Yeah. Edgar Martinez was good.
1: A lot of respect for Edgar. Uh,
0: and finally, uh,
1: if you had to...
0: Uh, I was going to say, Edgar killed us in 95, so I held that against Oh, you're
1: bitter about that? Are you still he bitter? You did just fine after that series. Yeah, we did okay. Yeah.
0: okay.
1: Yeah, it's like a prelude to like the greatness that comes after it. Uh, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, if you could have either one sit down with you and give you complete advice on everything financial, who would you rather sit down with?
0: Probably Buffett. Um, he seems to... I mean, Gates is an inventor, and one thing about Bill Gates, we think about computers, but like the thing that I think that people don't understand that he's doing is he's vaccinating so many people in poor countries in this world, he's changing the world, future of Earth in a way that very few humans are. Uh, and it's, it's pretty fascinating that his mind worked that way. So I do give him credit for that. But Buffett seems like if I was going to sit down and get some advice. He seems like the guy that knows who to bet on. Like Gates has got, you know, he's got his inventions and he's got his, you know, computers and he's got his all this great work that he does, but I would want to say, hey, Buffett, give me like ten tips so I can like retire ten years earlier than I would have.
1: That sounds nice. And finally You know, eventually we're all gonna perish from this earth. It's an unfortunate thought. But when you go, Chris, what would you like your tombstone to say?
0: These are deeply personal questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that. You're the first person to say that.
0: <laughs> I have no freaking clue. Uh, that, that's God, a actually, perfect I guess, answer. I guess it's <laughs> think about us. That's not, no, that's 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 not a bad answer in itself. It isn't. Uh, uh, I would just say uh, uh, he was a happy man who tried to do good.
1: That is fine. I like the first answer better, but we'll take that one too. I'm all for it. All right. Oh, well, that was inside Palazzo studio. Uh, fascinating answers. Very thought provoking responses, Chris. Thank you. You were a good sport there. Appreciate it. Uh, the, the only thing I was surprised is that you didn't, I was actually not surprised. You didn't choose a podcast. You are a man of integrity. So I'm, I'm proud to say a guy like Mr. Chris from baseball pods is not going to taint his waters. And I'm, that makes me feel good. All right, let's talk a little fantasy and, uh, we'll talk a mound visit. We'll get the hell out of here. Uh, I'm thinking surprises. If there's one player or one result even that has surprised you in the first six days of baseball so far, what is it?
0: I'm not, we, let me go third on this one. I want to think about this. One for a minute okay. That's no, fine. Yeah. You want to pick one, one?
1: I think yeah, Tim, Lopes, a for the, Tim Lopes of the Mariners has been killing the ball. Uh, he's been getting on base a lot. He's stealing bags. I honestly, I keep up on baseball, and I like to know almost every player. I had no idea who Tim Lopes was. He just came out of nowhere, and he's playing really well right now. And I think if you're in a Rota League, uh, you're in any type of league that where steals matter, uh, he's hitting for average, if that's good. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be an OBP guy because he's not walking as much, but he is making things happen. So Tim Lopes is one of my early surprises. It's also a deeper kind of off-the-beat path response or selection. So. That's my surprise. What about you, dearie? You have somebody or something that has really
2: surprised you? Yeah, it's funny. I talked about this guy a couple weeks ago, and we talked about the Pirates, and you kind of laughed at me, but uh, Colin Moran's off to an incredible start. He's got six hits, six runs, uh, three home runs, couple RBI, batting 343, OPS of 136. Uh, he bats fourth for the Pirates so I mean if if you can find him somewhere in your league get him on the cheap or maybe he might be available for you know those <laughs> those leagues where no one's paying attention uh he's been mm-hmm. a really nice surprise I have him in a couple leagues he's got good eligibility at second base and third base and he's uh, been very productive for me through this first week also to mention Whit Merrifield is someone that we've shit on all offseason and he is absolutely killing it and he will probably kill Matt Boyd tonight is because he has incredible numbers against Boyd. And, you know, he's right now a
0: top five fantasy player with Merrifield. Yeah, what I was going to say is um, I he's not a guy that I have targeted a lot and almost ever. And in the but in the short season, he is actually someone I took in the fourth round in, in that same draft instead of uh, um, Gates, because I was looking for people who I felt would run, would get at bats and would um, and would not kill me in batting average. I, I realize everyone's got a high error bar for batting average in in a short mm-hmm. season, but I feel like Mary Fields batting is much more much less likely to bat 200 than someone like Fran Mulray's, who probably won't bat 200. But like, if he did in a short season, it wouldn't shock you, right? So I, I, I was lucky to get into him. The um, the guy that and I'm going to forget if it's Daniel or David while we're talking right now, but Pete Dan Peterson from the Mets, the starting pitcher. That's a that's a great story. I don't I don't. It's probably not sustainable, but hey hey, he's in the big leagues. He's back. Uh, I saw Rob Nyer. Uh, I think he's a commissioner of, like, an independent league out in, in Washington State where Peterson pitched, and, like, that's the, and that was where, you know, he honed his craft and, like, was able to get to the big leagues. And uh, he pitched well, and uh, he's got another spot coming up in the rotation. So I don't know if I'm going to be scrambling to pick him up, but when you see some of these established aces getting, you know, touched up and then someone like, you know, this is what's great about baseball, it's so unpredictable – a guy out of the independent leagues comes in and uh, and pitches a gem. Uh, I just—it's a great story—and I'll be rooting for him, even though I'm not a Mets fan. But uh, that one has surprised me. I will say the thing that one of the other trends that has surprised me—not an individual—but I knew closers were going to be chaotic. But like we were jo- we were joking on Twitter last night. The num- i mean, I have never—I cannot remember another time in history where we didn't know where and the save was going to come. So. I definitely – I can't take credit for fading them as much as I – I mean, I did fade them, but I didn't think it was going to be – like I wasn't predicting anything like this. And I just – I I think we listed like eight or ten teams where it's not clear where the next save is coming from. I mean, that's just including and – and some of those are with like really established closers. Over the course of a season, that happens. Over the course of a week, that usually does. The first week of the season, that usually doesn't happen.
1: So true. You know, Whit Merrifield, speaking of the Mets, Matt Williams, my partner, wrote a fanatic. He's a huge Mets fan, and he's ripped on Whit pretty hard coming into the season. But he's producing. Whit Merrifield's producing. And even in last night's – or I'm sorry, it was two nights ago, the home run, uh, Whit Merrifield
0: hit. Yep.
1: Left field. It was an expected batting average of like 166, and Matt Williams pointed that out to me. But it still went over the fence. You know, sometimes what's expected and what happens – it doesn't matter. It's what happens. The result matters. And if it gets over the fence and a guy's got three home runs and he's like four for seven in the series coming into yesterday's game, that's what you want. You get the fantasy production. So, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like Whit Merrifield is he gets poo-pooed on a bit, but he's a really good real life fantasy or excuse me, a real life baseball player. So, um, You know, otherwise, yeah, surprises, uh, disappointments, the big guns in baseball you know Yelich and Acuna who are like the top 2 guys in fantasy baseball in most drafts are off to awful starts. We obviously know that they're great players and they'll be fine, but it is a short season. So if you lose a whole week of like Yelich having a having 328 OPS, is that something that concerns you at all or you're like oh man, I'm missing I'm missing out on production right now and I don't know if I'm going to make up for this later or not. What do you what do you think of how do you handle that, Chris? I mean, it's 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 not like you're going to trade these guys because they're the best yeah. players in the game.
0: I'm not. I'm not. That's an example of where I'm really not worried. I mean, they could go, you know, they could go five for their next ten and then look great. Um, I mean, that's how quickly the numbers are shifting at this point. Where I am worried is what I let off with earlier in the show. When your when your pitchers get shelled, those are tough to come down from in a shorter season, right? Like when you know, like I said, when you had Carlos Martinez in or Granke or Morton and there's there have been a number of pitchers who have just gotten lit up. That is that's going to be tough to recover. Those are tougher to recover from because it's not just that you're that you were relying on you were hoping that they were going to be ERA and whip anchors. Um, and they weren't and they're the opposite. And there's on so that, that's where I'm all worried about in the first week is just the pitching. The hitting I think will even itself out more or less, especially with guys like a yelich. I'd still take we drafted today. I'd still take them one or two.
1: Well, that kind of leads in. Do you think either one has an advantage right now? Like it kind of being a spring training esque start. Do you think pitchers or hitters having the advantage? Because we've had games where the Rays and Braves scored 14 runs apiece in different games. But then we've also had games. You know, we had one nothing shutouts. We had complete game opening day shutout from Kyle Hendricks. Do you think there's an advantage either way right now between hitting and pitching or is it just dependent on matchups?
0: I think it depends on the individual too. Like, I think that some people probably did a better job staying in shape or, you know, getting, staying ready for the offseason. I think more than, given the oddity of the the season is, I think it's less about a trend, hitters versus pitchers, and more about who was able to upkeep their, uh, you know, their, their, you know, their routine and their health and fitness in the offseason. That's where I view, uh, that's, that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm not trying to find any specific trends. I do think, like I said, more pitchers are getting hurt, but that does seem to be an early trend to we'll see if that continues, and that's probably because of the quick ramp-up.
1: Uh, disappointment-wise, Deary, anybody been a bummer for you so far?
2: Well, yeah, I have Acuna in almost all my leagues, so that's been a, a total meltdown. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean Cody Bellinger, he's a guy who took third overall in another league, hasn't really shown out. It's really interesting that some of these disappointments are some of the best guys in the game. But yeah, to Chris's point, there's it's not like you're going to drop these guys or trade them. I think this is something we talked about uh, several weeks ago. Is you know start of the season, guys get really anxious and they could be chasing a lot of pitches, and that's that's something Acuna has been doing. I mean, he's got 12 strikeouts. Um, I think Yelich has 10 or 11 strikeouts. So both those guys are just chasing a lot with guys on base too. So hopefully that turns around quickly. The, The advantage is some of these guys, you know, like a Colin Moran that we had talked about, you know guys that you get way low down in the draft or guys that you have picked up or are maybe picking up some slack so I've actually been okay in my head-to-head leagues this week with you know Bellinger and Acuna not really been off to hot starts but some of these lesser known guys that have been able to to come up and and, and do well the concern is those pitchers like a Charlie Morton he's going to go tonight against the Braves uh, so I gotta ask Chris are you playing him against the Braves tonight
0: I kept him in there when you draft him there at this point you got to roll with him if he if he gets shelled tonight I'd and probably it will be benched for the next start, depending on who the matchup is. Um, but yeah, that's those are the those are the places where I'm the most worried. The thing is, I picked the ra- I put pick the Rays and put money on the Rays to win the World Series. So, uh, oh, I, that's my that's my pick. So part of it, but part of it was like Morton for Cy. So uh, I don't I don't I don't know I don't know. If you can, normally you wouldn't say one one start can ruin your campaign, but in 2020, maybe it does. Mm. Well, it's
2: those, it's one of those things where like. This is the problem that Mike and I have all the time is like you have a guy in your team and you want to watch the game and you're going to be more invested in the game if you're starting that guy than if you're sitting him and you're going to be really pissed off if you sit him when he pitches well. So you're always looking for that awesome outcome and to be able to be there and
1: uh, cheer him on. Yeah. Yeah, I rolled the dice on Sunday at Spencer Turnbull. I have him in like five leagues and I put him in every lineup and it was awesome. He did walk four guys, but he was really fantastic. He had seven or eight strikeouts. So, and by the way, speaking of, Guys who strike people out, we're missing Nate Pearson's start right now.
0: And I'm gonna have to go back and watch F- that. I was literally just checking on that. He's got a strike, he's got he's got his first strikeout, and then uh, no runs through two, two innings. In in a- Shurs versus that Pearson. I'm gonna out. go
1: to ML, I'm gonna go back to MLB TV and watch from the beginning for sure when this is over because I want to see that. Uh, Nate Pearson, by the way, that's a kind of I who would you rather have, uh, Chris, Nate Pearson or Mackenzie Gore?
0: for this year for dynasty. for this year
1: for this year not dynasty just this this season
0: i'd say pearson because he's clearly up and is going to start and uh gore i think probably will be but um long term it's it's gore this year it's pearson just because i know he's going he's going to get some games
2: excellent response what about you deary yeah i go with pearson same, same reason uh you know it's interesting i'm playing a guy Tonight in a head to head league that has Pearson, he still has him in his NA spot, hasn't pulled him out yet. So it's like, why do you why'd you even draft him and put him on your team if you're not even gonna play him? Like,
1: come on. Wah, wah. Well, full disclosure, guys. I have to be honest. I have Nate Pearson in the uh dynasty league. And uh he's in my minor slot for the start. So Okay, so you're not the only one. (laughs) Yeah, I wanna. I just. I gotta be. You gotta come correct. I always try to
2: come correct. Well, at least I know you're paying attention. Joel just might not even be paying attention. Oh,
1: okay. I am paying attention. I just. I just couldn't get to it. I blew it. And I'm also. I'll be frank on this. I'm not used to the uh, the Monday through the two schedules where you're like you can only set players i've always played in leagues growing up where it was like daily lineups i'm not used to the hey you said it on monday you said it on friday I, i'm not used to that so i i have to make adjustments i'm i'm still learning you know i've played fantasy baseball for 20 years but i'm getting into new experiences so i i admit fallibility and i'm still growing everybody hands up uh so any okay we covered disappointments uh i think as far as who has the advantage, Chris kind of summed that up. Do you do you think there's an advantage either way for pitchers or hitters real quick? Or is it just, you, you know, like it's, it, to- it,
2: it, it's interesting, especially some of these pitchers that really there's not a ton of scouting on them and are coming up, you know, and haven't been seen before. Like the guy for the Mets last night, you know, no one had really seen him and he looked really good last night. So I think that's a huge, huge advantage for a lot of guys. And I mean, you could see, look at it both ways. The same thing with hitters, you know, start of the season, especially younger guys that want to prove themselves and prove their worth for the organization. So you can look, you can see it both ways. I, I could make a claim for for hitters or pitchers.
0: I just want to say David Peterson because I felt bad that I couldn't remember if it was David or Daniel. Got <laughs> to guys, he's shining. You got to give him a shine.
1: <laughs> nice. Good call. Nice work, Chris. Um, looking ahead here for the rest of the week. So obviously we got the Pearson Scherzer start tonight. That's awesome. Uh, are Chris? Are you always benching starting pitchers against the Twins unless maybe it's like Clayton Kershaw? I don't. know, Or maybe just like a, a super stud, the Jacob DeGrom. You'll start against the Twins, I would assume.
0: Yeah, I mean they're the new. Basically, I'm looking at the Twins as uh Rockies home game traditionally. So maybe even a little bit more. I'm, I'm definitely benching uh, almost all my starters against them. Uh, Cole, DeGrom, you know, maybe not. Scherzer might go in there if he's if he's pitching well, but a very small list of, of pitchers I feel comfortable. The thing that's going to be tough is when – it's going to be really great to watch, actually, as a fan, is, you know, those AL Central matchups because that pick, Cleveland pitching staff is like, phenomenal. I mean, I love mm-hmm. a huge Bieber guy. I love Clevenger, too. Um, and, and Carrasco
1: uh, showed life.
0: Carrasco what a great story another great baseball story. I've got a lot of Carrasco on my teams and now Savalle looked like a you know looked fantastic. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the Cleveland Minnesota series just to see those the arms the, the pitching against that that offense.
1: That is awesome. Yeah, the centrals an interesting division with the Tigers playing well, the Royals offense is fun. It's it's a lot better than I think people thought cuz everyone thought the White Sox would come up a bit and obviously the Twins and Indians were the class of the division. Having said that, looking ahead to the rest of the week, you know, the Yankees and Orioles made up. their They're making up their schedule. The Phillies are still postponed. Everyone's talking about the Marlins, but now the Phillies aren't playing either. And they're not supposed to play until this weekend. Even I, I don't even know when they're playing. What are you if you have a guy like Reese Hoskins, who you may have drafted as your number one first baseman. What are you doing, Chris? I mean, what do you do? This is a,
0: it's not an easy well,
1: answer to this question.
0: Like, no, but I, like I said, at the beginning of this week, I benched in most of my, like I said, most of my Phillies where I had a reasonably comparable player, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, where they're not like an irreplaceable. So for me, I just think you got to play it. You know, we'll see what happens, but every week you're going to, this, this is why this season is not going to be the best measure of anyone's fantasy baseball acumen, I don't think. I mean, there's going to be a lot of luck involved, a lot of dodge bullets or taking bullets and, uh, that'll determine a lot of it, which is why I just got to get as many at bats and uh, quality innings as you can figure out on your roster. So that that's the best way for you to be competitive. So I am erring on the side of pretty extreme conservatism with any injury. Uh, uh, just also because one of the other things is there, there's there, the it's much easier to place a player on the injured list this year, independent of COVID it's They have all these players that they have a lot more access to. They have an expanded roster so I just think that, um, you know, if a, if a team is worried about a player's health, they're going to err on the side of caution. So for my fantasy lineup, I should probably do that too.
1: Okay. Uh, by the way, do you play DFS, Chris?
0: Uh, I dabble. Um, I haven't played any this year. Um, I'm not like a super DFSer. Um, I enjoy it. At, like if I'm sitting home on a, you know, Sunday with a full plate of games and nothing on my calendar – that might be a day where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play in like a couple tournaments or 50-50s or something like that. But I enjoy it. Uh, it's just not—I don't enjoy it nearly as much as I do the season long. Okay.
1: Uh so looking ahead, the rest of the week and Thursday, John Means will be coming back for the Orioles. Uh anybody have the any interest in John Means here? He's you still on the Orioles? Yeah, he still is, and he's going to face the Yankees now on Thursday in his season debut. Outlook not good. No, I,
0: I don't mean think he so. looked.
1: There were some uh, positive reviews in uh, summer camp about John Means and he had a he was the only all-star for the Orioles last year and that doesn't say much necessarily for fantasy. Chris, John Means any interest?
0: I'll take a pass against the Yankees. I think he's got a chance to be a league average starter.
1: <laughs> okay. uh, that's not a terrible thing, but yeah, it's not great either. Fair enough. Uh, also we have a uh, Hyun Jin Ryu pitched pretty well in his debut against the Rays. Uh, they give him the extra day of rest, which was something that happened several times last year for the Dodgers. They He pitched a lot on, on an extra day of rest. Uh, he's taking on the Nats. And without Juan Soto, who today was announced, Juan Soto, even though he's cleared from COVID, according to the rules or like the state laws, he can't participate until August 4th with the Nats. So he's not going to be in the lineup. Uh, he, is Ryu a guy that Chris you uh, have drafted at all? Do you you believe in him? Because he signed a big contract, but then he fell in almost every draft I could think of. He fell down to like 120 range ADP.
0: Well, Ryu has a couple things. One, he's got a pretty significant injury history. And secondly, he's got the AL East. And uh I think those are the two reasons, one of the reasons he fell. I'm switching from the NL to the AL. Now that but now that the NL has a DH, the I think the some of the decrease was probably unwarranted. Um, I, I love him. Um, I've, I've loved having him on my teams over the years, and uh, I'd start him for sure against the Nats. Um, so uh, I, I think if he stays healthy, he's got a chance to be a very good starter.
1: Okay, there it is. Uh, then, you know, you Darvish is pitching on Thursday against Luis Castillo. That should be a great matchup. You Darvish looks so so against the Brewers in his debut. I think a lot of people were thinking Darvish's second half last year would translate into. This season, uh, it's only one start, so that doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. But you, Darvish, Chris, in or out on you, Darvish, do you have a lot of shares? Or
0: love him, love you, Darvish, have a ton of shares. Uh, think that he does have the ability to win the Cy Young Award. The challenge, the thing that actually scared me more was like, I think his final two, milk he got torched. Um, and in, in the start in the start against the Brewers, if I remember correctly, uh, I don't know if he walked anyone though if he did it was only one. So with him, like the key for me is he's got so many pitches. it's almost like you know too many weapons to choose from and it's not clear. like he just invents a new pitch that's like disgusting every year. So like is, but if he's not walking people, I feel like that's the number one thing to watch out for if he starts to lose that because that was the big differentiator. His start got to walk ratio in the second half uh, of last year was, you know, historic for him anyway, You are
1: correct. He he didn't walk anybody in that start, so that's good.
2: Yeah, it, he, did, he didn't get pounded in that game either. It was just kind of seeing eye singles and bloopers, and his pitch count got up there, and it's the first start, and they weren't going to risk him going a while. So I'm on board with him as well. I was on board with him before all my drafts. I have him in, in my, my main keeper league. He's my main guy I, I went for, and I think uh, he bounces back tomorrow.
1: Hmm. Uh, Real quickly, a couple of outfields that were messy coming into preseason. They seem to be taking shape now. Uh, The Reds and the Rays come to mind. Uh, Hunter Renfro had a couple home runs, looked pretty good. Uh, But at the same time, Jose Martinez has played. And Mr. Tutsugo has played as well. And he's been pretty solid with the Reds. Akiyama has been in out of the lineup. Philip Irvin's been getting starts and leading off, and the Reds are like one and four now. What, they're, they're off to a bogus start. Uh, how do you play that out? Nick Senzel has been out, but he's going to be back in. Mustakas went to the DL. Do you think the Reds and Rays outfields are areas that you tried to avoid preseason, or did you see a sense of clarity in both those outfields?
0: No, I, I avoided the restart drafts. I avoided, I don't think I got any. A Rays outfielders or Reds outfielders. I may have gotten like a couple of late shares of some of the bench players in like 50, you know, 50 man rosters. But uh, in the pre-season, the early season, I loved Austin Meadows. Um, so I had you know a decent amount of him. Now he's hurt, um, and uh, I. Um, but I just I think there's too many mouths to feed there, and uh, the the Rays are a team that I have started to avoid in general in terms of fantasy, just because. They're playing a different game. They're playing, you know, these. They're playing incredible matchups. They're so smart. They they're playing to win based real baseball games, and they realize that that doesn't mean giving people tons of at bats all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people can, you know, and some and that's for the pitchers and their hitters in general. I mean, you if you get a role there, that's great, but it's not guaranteed. I just I uh, if for fantasy. I think I love, I respect the hell out of what they're doing. And for fantasy, I've tended to avoid them for that reason. I thought Meadows would be an exception. Um, and I think he would have been if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. uh, I've been avoiding them like crazy. Well, I did notice that Shogo got a steal and that would be interesting if he became a uh, a nice cheap, uh, little source of steals because those seem to be very rare these years, this year.
1: Yeah. Nick, uh, Castellanos was like the only guarantee in the reds outfield so far. It's been weird. Even, uh, Mr. Aquino has made his debut now. All right. So uh, wrapping up the fantasy section, uh, there's a lot to look forward to. So many questions, so many exciting results. There's so much baseball every day. I love it. And it's always in our face. And I, it seems like I can't even absorb it all. I get so excited like a, like a puppy dog. You know, I don't know what to do. But if you do, Please email the show, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. Send us questions. We'll happy to answer them. If you have quandaries or if you think we're just idiots, just tell us that, and we'll take it in stride. We really take criticism quite well. Trust me. All right, let's have ourselves a mound visit.
0: Will's first big league mound
1: visit. And it could be a visit to find out how he feels, and Rick might have permission to change the pitcher if he gets the wrong answer. Mental health is a very important part of the game to us here. This is something we always try to discuss. And I think the obvious mental health aspect right now is the exhaustive nature of COVID concerns for every lineup, every pitching staff, even the coaches and people in the front office, all these people that are around the team, even the broadcasters and such. Broadcasters are like, they're not there. They're 400 miles away. Uh, Tim Kirkchin has to cover a baseball game like Thousands of miles away, I heard him talking about that on uh, Tony Corzineiser's podcast the other day, and how frustrating it is. How do you see mental health in today's game, Chris? And I'm sure you think it's important, but how can we? We can't really quantify it. How do we? How do we know how mental health is being impacted for each player?
0: I mean, it's interesting. I think, um, I mean, mental health is like something that we're all going through trauma right now. I think, um, as as a society, there's a lot of reasons for it. There's, you know, and some more than others, depending on their their health status, their employment status, whether or not their job is, uh, uh, you know, that's their health care status, their uh, their race, uh, their gender. I mean, there's a lot of different things that play in, but we're all feeling it um, one way or another as a country. And I think I'm, and I'm, I am, I'm really glad you guys talk about this because for me, it's like I think it's we don't do enough. Uh, certainly, I will say as men, I don't think we talk about mental health very well uh, mm. in our society. I think, uh, you know, there's this machismo and tough it out and do this and do that. And as a, as a father of three sons, you know, we try to talk a lot about the fact that it's, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I'll laugh, I'll yell, I'll scream. I'll also cry. And uh, You know, I have all the emotions and I don't mind showing them. And I think it's important that we show our emotions Uh, throughout our lives, especially right now when we're um, in this, you know, hopefully unique experience in our lifetime. In baseball, I think that, um, you know, you got to think about the fact that a lot of these players are not spending time with family. They're worried about, imagine what's going through Cookie Carrasco's head who's, you know, COVID compromised and he's out there pitching. And I think that, um, uh, you know, it's absolutely uh, having an effect But different people react to stressors, different people react to anxiety, they they react differently. And so I think that uh, you may be seeing the more extreme version. I mean, this is just a speculation, but it wouldn't surprise me if you're seeing like the most extreme version of people's personalities play out on the baseball field. Uh, And sometimes that would mean someone being very quiet and lacking confidence. And sometimes it may mean the person's going to lash out more. It just depends on their personality.
1: I think that's very well said. And I want to commend you for, you know, talking about this with your children. I think it's very important. And you start early, you make it normal. You don't make it weird or a stigma. And that way, you can help them have that be just a regular part of their lives growing up. I think that's fantastic. Kudos to you, Chris. Nice job.
2: You know, we're able to sit here and talk about a major league baseball game and have a podcast and have Chris on because these major league baseball players are making the sacrifice of their lives to go out and play a game. And it's amazing that these guys have made the sacrifice uh, that, you know, they're going through all of this just so we can have our escapism, our escape from, you know, the hell that we're going through with maybe possible unemployment or, you know, the the health that we, we are concerned about right now. And these guys are risking their lives to do it. I commend them. I support them wholeheartedly. And, you know, my heart is with the Marlins. I hope that, you know, everything can turn out well, guys can get back on the mend and and feel healthy and that we don't continue to have outbreaks because I think that would just be a real shame for major league baseball. And, you know, kudos to these guys for, for doing everything that they're
0: doing right now. As much, I agree as much as much, I agree with that completely. And, you know, especially about the Marlins, We just pray that they're 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 going to be okay and that there aren't any long term complications that, that they get as a result. But I also just think it as much. I, I, Major League Baseball did. I don't think they've handled it well at all, as I've said um, in many different ways. But you know, I do. Um, I think that's not a reflection on the players. Uh, it's uh, it's that's more about the management and the organization and the structure. Yeah, sure is. they need to wear masks and stop hugging each other. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, there's always things they could do better, of course, but we still give them credit. You know, they're going out there. They're getting paid to play a game and sure. But, you know, I think there's more to it than that. And it's never as simple as just that. And people try to dumb things down into digestible bites for everybody, especially in the world we live in today. And I won't have it. I just won't accept that. So. Well done, everybody. You know, I
2: got caught up last night. I can't remember what game I was watching, but a guy had his had his little mask on uh at the plate. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm like, is this is like a West Coast game in the middle of summer? He's not cold. And I'm like, oh shit. Did I just like <laughs> completely forget that we're going through a pandemic right now? And then these guys have masks on. I'm like, what is this? Like Placido Polanco in the 06 series because it's freezing cold out in October in Detroit. So like that's how much like You know, I get caught up watching the game and just it felt so normal to me. And then I had to realize again, oh my God, we are going through COVID still.
0: Placido Polanco, largest head in baseball history. A lot of people like to bring up Bruce Bochy. I'll Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. Brett Gardner is another one, but no. I think Polanco is the clear winner there. And I remember that series. He looked like he was going, you know, to hike Mount Everest.
1: Fernando Vina had a big head too. Maybe he had a small body. I don't know. I can't really figure that one out, but yeah, good call Blanco. Blanco was classic. Blanco was a great Tiger for us. We enjoyed those times and the Tigers are fun. Now it's actually enjoyable. It's shocking to think that there's a reliever who's getting the job done. And that's why watching baseball is fun. And we thank you for listening to our show because baseball is back and we could talk about tangible results. It's so much fun. I want to thank Chris for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been something I've looked forward to for a while. Uh, I know you're just a human being, but I do uh, admire you, and I respect your work and the things you do. So everything you stand for, you seem to be a generally stand-up fella in all aspects, whether it's social justice as well and uh, baseball or just, you know, whiskey. You, you seem to have good taste, and I appreciate all that. But, so, by the way, do you know, do the thing. Tell people where they can find you and promote yourself. Because you should
0: well first of all the feelings are mutual uh, so back it right back at you um, appreciate the uh, the joy and the um, you're willing you're, you're not everyone is willing to make fun of themselves in this industry that is one of the things like some people take it very seriously and part of that's the personality sometimes their livelihood relies on it so I get it but it's also good to have fun I remember baseball is a game and fantasy baseball is a really stupid game about it <laughs> what are we doing here so uh, i appreciate the levity and uh and willingness to you know um uh you know the, you're always willing to uh to like you, you know, you're right like you'll not only take criticism you'll be self-critical especially if it uh, is in the service of a greater point so i appreciate that um you can find me at baseball pods and baseball-pods.com um you know i put up articles there probably like once on average once a month once every few weeks it's nothing spectacular but the content I try to put out there is really good if you're interested in dynasty dynasty leagues i would definitely take a look at um, baseball-pods.com and a couple of the articles there and uh and on twitter you know I, i'm probably there too often for my own mental health but uh, at baseball pods
1: uh, thank you chris yeah i i actually i have to be honest i wasn't really that familiar with your website and now i'm totally into it i will be checking it out a lot more it's uh that's called poor research people that's not prepping properly for your podcast i saw the i saw it as a website but i need to do better work but thank you it was awesome uh yeah we really enjoyed having you you can check out chris on baseball pods it's good stuff and you can always find me and mr deary here doing the baseball quickies usually every day we try to get it out we need to get them out earlier we're totally blowing it we're trying to do something different here so it's a work in progress uh deary tell everybody what's going on with you
2: yeah, you can find me on Twitter, cdre1999. Uh, threw a couple tweets out with some predictions on some uh, parlay bets that I was making. Got absolutely roasted, so I haven't really made any bets in the last couple days. Maybe we'll throw out a couple late-night ones tonight. Um, yeah, but check us out. Uh, hopefully, we can get a quickie out early tomorrow. I mean, I'm still working from home, so I got the time. I know, Mike, you're super busy with all your Roto Fanatic stuff, and that's keeping you up at night to make those videos. So, uh Maybe, maybe we, uh, you can get an intern helping you out or something. I put the word
1: out on the intern. I don't. I haven't heard anything yet. I need someone who can just collect the data because you collect the data and then you collect all the information and then you got to put it all together and you got to do the voiceovers and you got to edit all the clips. Next thing you know, it's six in the morning every damn night. I'm sick of it. But I love doing the videos. So uh, the videos out- <laughs> are
2: fantastic. You're doing so great with them, and I love them
1: every day, but I know the hell you're going through when it gets posted at
2: seven in the morning.
0: <laughs> I
1: don't want to be up that late. I love them. I love doing them. I really do. And I check them out. Go to roadfanatic.com. Yeah, do quality start videos five days a week. We try to give you uh, the news from last night and what's going on today. And of course we got some Jeff Zimmerman pieces. We got our uh, daily DFS stuff there too. So check that out, roadfanatic.com. Yes, that's it. The show is over. Thank you so much for Chris, for Deary, for me. We are out of here. Bye-bye.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.